Friends, what follows is not for the faint of heart. We bring you tales of the paranormal, human wickedness, the curious, and the bizarre. Please, if you continue, proceed with caution and an open mind. We are the Queen City Creeps. Hello and welcome to Queen City Creeps, your new favorite podcast for all things true crime, paranormal, and just a little bit weird. This is Sarah, and I am joined by Shelby. Shelby. And Jennifer. Jennifer. And we are here to talk about some very interesting things. I first want to ask you guys, can you think of a situation where you got played so hard by someone? I mean, I've, I've been on Tinder a couple of times, so yeah. <laughs> I, can think so, of, yeah. I can think of one to nine Obviously. examples. Your um, Tinder profile wasn't bad. I played with it a little. Oh yeah, I forgot that I still had that. Well, your was... age range was a little wide, though. Was it too young or too old? I, I feel recall. like it was too Both. young and too old. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, Shelby, is she even legal?" I mean, Barely. You, you've seen me. You I can't can play I, a field. That's I can't, I can't limit by an age range. <laughs> Wait, was it like eighteen to forty-five or something? <laughs> I feel like it was. I'm sure, I don't know. <laughs> it definitely was. I was like, "Ooh, geez. but there were some nice-looking ladies. I swiped. In, Which in, one's the in good the older way? Range. Which way is the good way? I think right. I haven't been on there. Do you swipe right or left? I think right is the good one. Because I was never on Tinder. Like, I've been in a relationship for too long to actually fully understand what Tinder is. But whatever way is the good way, I was swiping for that, for Shelby, for, like, everybody. I was like, I like you, and I like you. You're a little young and have a little too many piercings. I don't (laughs) like you. Oh, that's the one I wanted. She was inappropriately young. What is that for a 28-year-old man? 18. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean honestly it's just better because then i can go to the bar and she can't come that's true that is a good point oh geez but yeah okay. so i've been i've been played through uh through dating applications a couple of times because you always run that risk of the semi-blind date where you mm-hmm. literally don't have any idea who you're getting ready to meet mm-hmm. and i do recall at one point though my age range was set at an appropriate level uh her age was not Oh. She was... Older or younger? Oh, older. Oh, my. Oh, older. Um, like, how much older? Uh, 54. Holy fuck. She's, oh. She said she was 34. Oh. Did she look 34? Mm, Did she look my may, age? Maybe in the 80s. I don't know. But... <laughs> oh, jeez. That's anyway. rough. Oh, sorry, Shelby. <laughs> it's fine. I didn't really want to relive it. But thanks for asking the question. <laughs> We we had a nice time. It was fine. Like we we got the drinks that we had intended to get. Uh huh. And then I basically had to like circle the block so I could get to my car without her following me. Oh. Yeah, she was. Uh, handsy was she a that, little handsy? That cougar was stalking me. Yikes. So. I could see that. If I was a cougar, I would stalk you. Right. I also have another one where uh-huh. it was inappropriately young. Oh no. Uh, and that was almost a big problem. <laughs> I was. I bet. I can imagine, like illegal young. Oh yeah, would have been. Oh fuck. So I was at uh, I was at the Outland Ballroom, mm-hmm. and and we how were, old were you? Uh, twenty one, twenty two. Okay, somewhere so in there. Legal. This was several years ago. You yeah. Know? And uh, I guess whenever I heard the phrase "all ages show," I thought that meant eighteen and up. Yeah. I was wrong. So yeah. I was out in the smoking area talking to this girl who was smoking, which would imply to me that she has been able to buy cigarettes from somewhere. Uh huh. You would think. Thinking 18. Makes yeah. sense, right? So we're chatting. I, uh, I at the time, was wearing my glasses because I actually used to wear glasses. Uh, and she was like, you look really smart. 
thank you. Like, <laughs> she was, you play a professor. And I'm like, thank you again. She was like, you want to, you look like you want to teach me something. I was like, I kind of <gasps> do. Did you have a jacket with elbow patches? No, I was actually wearing this like wool coat. Oh. So, might, oh, might as well professor like. No, I'm, I'm a classy bitch. Yeah. I mean, realistically, but so. I love yeah. all of these good pickup lines, by the way. Oh, for you sure. You look like you want to teach me something. Are you kidding me right now? I know, right? Who and I so so I'm in. I know I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so we talk for another couple of minutes, and a friend of hers comes out and like gives her a hug. He's like, "Oh my god, how are you? It's so good to see you. What have you been up to?" Mm-hmm. Well, I just got my permit. Oh fuck! And I'm standing there just dumbfounded at this point, and I'm like, "Like a fishing permit?" <laughs> and she goes, "No, my driver's permit." And I'm like, "How old are you?" She goes, "Fifteen." And I promptly what? went and washed my dick in the sink over something else. Her mother needs to wash her mouth out. Like, holy fuck. It's yeah. like that convert or the day that we went to lunch and those women were sitting behind us. And I was like completely not involved in your guys' conversation because I was so busy listening to the people that were behind us. And the girl was talking about how she had been getting dick pics since she was 12 years old. And I'm like, these women are like in their 20s. You couldn't be getting dick pics when you were 12. What were they like, flash photography? That's what I was wondering. Like, <laughs> did did you have to go to Walmart and get them developed and then it, put a yes. stamp on them? It turns out she was like 16 and she was at lunch with her mom and her mom's friends. And they're all having this conversation right there. And the mom was talking about banging a pool boy. I don't even know. I was like, these people do not belong in downtown Springfield. What is happening? I don't have these conversations with my mother and her friends. I'm sorry. That's weird. I don't know that I've ever used the... I I have a very open relationship with my mother. She knows about a lot of stuff that I've done. And I don't think I've ever used the phrase dick pic in conversation with her. I absolutely have. With my mom? <laughs> With her mom. Maybe yours, too. I'm not sure. My mom loves you, so probably. I had to explain to my mom what a sex swing was the other day, so I saw that one at the garage sale. <laughs> and instead of explaining it, I just sent her a picture. It seemed easier that way. That's amazing. <laughs> and let her imagination run wild. Yeah. J-Bo, have you ever been played pretty hard? Um, Like in high school, I was involved with this guy, and we had been in a relationship before, for maybe like four months-ish. Not very long. But then we broke up um, because he was just being an asshole. Was this the one that turned out to be gay? No. Oh, okay. Different one. Gotcha. Just checking. And later on, I guess the next year, he like was feeling me again. Really wanted to get back together. Wait, literally, literally or metaphorically feeling metaphorically. you? Metaphorically. Oh, okay. Soon cool. to be literally. Soon to be literally. Ooh, la, la. But so we started talking again. I would come over to his house. Stupid me. You get groped. Did you get groped? I did, in fact. Cool. But we had this, like, fling-ish thing mm-hmm. um, for months. And he just kept saying, no, I don't want to be in a relationship. That's not my style. Whatever. Like, we were literally in a relationship before. But now you don't want to be in a relationship? Like, uh-huh. that's really fucking dumb. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, well, after graduation. after," And I was like, I don't understand why that's a big deal. And yeah. then I asked, the literally, like, the week of graduation, like, <laughs> hey, what's the deal? And he was like, yeah, I still don't want to. I'm like, you're a fucking dick. Like, Jesus. no. Boys are the worst. Sorry, yeah. Shelby. No, no, we are. But they're all just, like, fuck boys. Like, they never want to actually be in a relationship. They just want to fuck you. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they want nothing else. Young boys, man. Young men. Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite 
quite mature these days. Thank you are quite good. mature. Honestly, I was always the fuckboy that like was trying to get in a relationship, but everybody was just like, well, I don't really want my friends to see me with you, <laughs> so I think I'm just going to go, and I'm uh, like, I understand. understand. I hope you have a blessed life. <laughs> That's great. But you'll be back later <sighs> for this dick. For this dick. Oh, God. Okay. Not, not that confident in any of that. <laughs> I was mostly just sad a lot. Oh, buddy. So mine was, it was a boy, obviously, because ex-boyfriends are the worst. Agreed. And he was super cute. He played soccer. He had, like, those little, like, hip dip. The Vs? Yeah, he had the Vs. He was, like, the pasty lid I like, you know, the dark hair that I like, glasses, like, super studious. He was pre-law at MU, and I was like, ooh, this... This is amazing. He he could teach me something. He could teach me <laughs> something. And I thought he was the cat's meow. But he acted like he was super just not dependent on his parents. Like he was whatever, you know. And so I was working at the Capitol. I was making decent, you know, money, whatever. Um, getting a stipend for Missouri State, you know, because it was an internship. And... So I paid for a lot of stuff. Like, I was actually paying for, like, my apartment. I was paying for my car, all of that stuff. And if we went out to dinner, like, I would pay or, like, lobbyist friends would pay for drinks or whatever. And it turns out, like, halfway through this couple of month long relationship, I found out his parents were actually super well off and completely paid for his school and the house that he was living in and his car and everything else. And he just, you know, didn't need to have a job. So I didn't need to be paying for anything. He could have been handling all of this this whole time. So I felt like I got really played. I could have had kind of like a sugar daddy and I didn't actually have one. <laughs> so, <laughs> really so you bad. were paying for like dinners and all that stuff when you were yes. going out like all the time? Yes. And like it wasn't, you know, we we could have been cooking more at home or whatever. But he was never like, hey, let me take you out. Hey, let me do this. Like. Yeah. And working at the Capitol, you get a lot of free stuff, and he was also an intern, so there were a lot of things we did together that were free, but there were definitely things he could have been paying for that he was not. But he did let me use his washer and dryer. Hmm. So there's who, that. Who bought the washer and dryer? Probably his fucking parents. Probably. So his parents let you use his washer yes. and dryer then. And it was like a really nice house in MU, or at, in Columbia. I was living in Jeff City, so I would like drive to Columbia to hang out with this dude, which, worth it. Not gonna lie. <laughs> But, yeah, I was, like, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I was, like, super pissed about it. I was, like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, at a certain point, you have to take a little bit of the responsibility on that one for not just calling him out for being a deadbeat. That's true. Like, like at a certain point, once you've gone out enough times and they've never, like, reached for the check once, you're just, like, hey, motherfucker, I, I... know you found $5 between the last time that we did this <laughs> and now. I feel like there was enough opportunity for free stuff that we were both enjoying between dates that i didn't really think about it that much maybe mm. i'm just saying i don't know i was real distracted by those like what are they the v thing yeah i was real distracted by that i have no idea what those could possibly be they're they're amazing we'll google it later well maybe we'll post it on social media i've, I've seen them it's <laughs> I don't know how they get them, but... I don't either, but man, nice. he could maneuver a soccer ball. Like I mean, <laughs> technically, I've got them. I just can't find them. That's right. accurate. That's yeah. 100% accurate. I've had accurate. them since birth, but they're kind of lost. Oh, so. dang. Okay, well, guys, speaking of people who got got played, played people pretty hard, for the next couple of episodes, we're actually going to talk about 
Ed and Lorraine Warren. Those shysty fucks. They are kind of shysty fucks. Depending on who you are, some people really believe in them. Yeah. I happen to love the Conjuring movies, and I think that's really the first time I fully appreciated how many things they'd been involved in. Like, they claim to have been involved in, what, tens of thousands of cases. Their website is atrocious, but it's out there. It's very, like, early 2000s coolness. I don't know. They would have more money. It's like a black website with red text. Like, it's pretty fucking bad. Sounds awesome. It's amazing. So I would go on there. There's all of their cases that they're super proud of are on there. The ones that they're not so proud of, some of which we're going to talk about, are not as much on there. But you can still find them. So, Ed Warren... The other shitty thing, too, is that there's a ton of information out there about Ed Warren and his upbringing, but I couldn't really find anything about Lorraine Warren's upbringing. She was probably a demon that he captured at the very start. It's just very, like, ethereal. Right. She was just, like, bonded to him for life and had to help him solve other demonology cases. It's some bullshit. Well, her life didn't start until until she she met met Ed Ed. Warren. Yeah. Fuck that That's how it happens. Okay. For ladies. For ladies. (laughs) For the ladies. Anyway. Ed Warren grew up in Connecticut, and from the age of five until he was about 12 years old, he claimed to live in a haunted house. That's haunted house with a capital H in haunted and a capital H in house, according to their website. Interesting. Yes. I found that very interesting as well. Hmm. Um, His father was a police officer, and anytime they would hear the weird knocking or they would see weird lights or whatever in the house, he would say... Ed, there's a logical reason for everything that happens in that house, but he could never give young Ed a logical reason for what was going on. So a lot of times after the family would all go to bed, around 2 or 3 in the morning, Ed would wake up and he would hear his closet door open. And then he would see some, like, shapeless darkness, but a very solid-looking shapeless darkness. And then a light would form and it would morph into a ball. Inside of the ball, he would see an old woman's face. And and there was a frog on the log and uh, the (laughs) hole in the bottom of the hill, right? Yes. And so he lived there until he was 12. He would see that like a couple times a week. So he said that that was like early, his first experiences with ghosts. Okay. So when he was 16, he started working at a movie theater, which he claims was haunted. A lot of people have been like, no, it fucking wasn't. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But that is where he met Lorraine. She went to go see a movie with her mom for the first time. Or he met Lorraine for the first time. She went to go see a movie with her mom. And from that point. (laughs) With his mom. (laughs) They were really good friends with their moms. (laughs) Sweetie, I wanted to bring you this woman so she could start her life. So he met Lorraine at this movie theater when they were both around 16. Okay. Um, And they kind of started a romance at that point. Now, when he was 17, he actually joined the Navy. And four months later, he his ship actually sank in the North Atlantic. So he was in the Navy for four months, and then his ship sank, and he had to come home. Did Lorraine continue to exist while he was in the Navy? <laughs> I, d- I could find no record of that, so I don't okay. know. No, she so did not. Probably not. He came home. And for a 30-day survivor leave because, you know, he survived the <laughs> ship sinking. Hey, before we put you on another ship, why don't you take a little break? <laughs> and when they were 17, he and Lorraine were married. So on that 30-day leave, they got married. Okay. And then she started living. For real living, like, not half living. Right. Yeah. Because once you sign the document, it makes you a real person. Yeah. So when he's not uh-huh. there, you can still be a person. Right. A, yeah. real, a real person instead 100%. of just a woman. Is that what you're driving at? <laughs> I'm a real girl. Okay. 
So after Ed returned from World War II, he and Lorraine had a daughter. You see her in the Conjuring movies. She's real big-eyed and kind of spooked the whole time. And Ed decided to attend Perry Art School, which is actually a subsidiary of Yale. So it's kind of like a highfalutin art school. And he attended there for two years. But he got really frustrated, and he told Lorraine that he could actually paint better than any of these instructors. What they're teaching me is a lot of geometry and a lot of nonsense that I don't need for painting. So they loaded (laughs) up the car, and they're like, listen, we're going to peace out, and we're going to have some fun. Like, fuck this geometry. (laughs) I don't need geometry in my life. Geometry, no thanks. What is this, college? (laughs) Exactly. Fuck you, painting Yale school. Okay, so they headed up to Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, and just kind of peddled around and tried to sell some of his paintings, right? And Ed still had this, like, interest in the supernatural because of his growing up in a capital H haunted house. And <laughs> capital H, capital H. Capital H haunted, capital H house. Yeah. yeah capital H squared. Um, <laughs> so if Ed heard of any place that claimed to be haunted, whether it was like a haunted house or like, I don't know, like an Indian burial ground or some sort of spooky ass barn, like he and Lorraine <laughs> would just drive out and go stare at it. And he would stand in the road. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm really not kidding. They would drive out there, and he would bring all of his painting stuff, and he would paint these houses with ghosts in them. Like, ghosts coming out of these fucking houses but he or wasn't spooky-ass barn. No. And then when he was done painting it, like, he would make sure that the family was home, that they could see what he was doing. So they'd look out the window and be like, what is this dude doing, like, out in the road staring at our house? So, well, sir, please stop. That, that <laughs> please is stop. That's, you're creeping me out. And it was enough time that he was fucking, like, painting yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, it wasn't, like, a quick picture. So then, because Lorraine was, like, young and pretty and charming, he would send her up to the house with a painting, right? And he would be like, listen, my husband has, like, the knack for knowing about haunted things. We heard about your house, and this is... They would, like, sell this family this story. And that's how they would make their money, is selling a story to this family and then sending them a tchotchke of this weird gross painting that Ed did. And I'm assuming along the way, Lorraine was like, hey, by the way, I'm totes a psychic, and I can see these ghosts, too. But we don't know anything about her early life, so we don't know if she was a psychic. When when was her psychic awakening? That's what I want to know. Probably the the day that she got married. Right. (laughs) Wedding night, psychic. Exactly. Yep, 100%. Got some of that ghost dick. Oh, yeah. So on that subject, this just reminds me of those like those creeps that like fly their planes around and take pictures of farms yes. and then come out and like try to sell you a picture of your own house. It's a hundred percent like that, but with ghosts. <laughs> right. And not a photographer. <laughs> it's a painter. I, I would have been much stand- more excited <laughs> if I just saw a, a horde of spirits rising from my farm, though. Like, yes. I would have bought the shit out of that out of that particular picture. Yeah. So they do this for a couple of years and then decide that they want to um kind of settle down and really focus on research of the the paranormal. So in 1952, they found the New England Center for Psychic Research in Connecticut. That's where their home base is. And what they want to do is, like I said, just investigate hauntings. Okay? Ed was quoted as saying, Nobody can bring us a house and fool us. You couldn't tell us that your house was haunted and get away with it because I am the biggest skeptic going i have to see it i have to hear it and i have to feel it in the physical sense 
Also, I'm really good at painting. Way better than any of these other fuckers. So many better. So much. So, much. so, so many so better. So many much better. I am so many better than anybody else at painting and also at geometry. So, and uh, at ghost shit. <laughs> so as you guys know, they found this research center and they investigate and solve, in air quotes, <laughs> all of these things. Like I mentioned earlier, tens of thousands of cases. They work with... Um, supposedly doctors they work with uh, priests ed is supposedly ordained like in order to do exorcisms well i I remember something about that with the catholic church is that yeah yeah he's like the only person not actually a part of the catholic church like as part of like a priest he's not actually clergy but he is is ordained to he is ordained he can do an exorcism yes that doesn't happen right away um I think it actually happens between the first and second Conjuring movies, but we'll get to that. The other thing I'm going to point out is that a case that we've already talked about actually involved the Warrens and the fact that the family wanted the Warrens to come look at their house and the Warrens were just too busy. They couldn't be bothered. Any guesses, any any remembering of what this is? I'm the, trying to remember the name of it. The fucking uh, Hinsdale house. Hinsdale, that's it. It's like it. the third episode that we ever did. And the priest that came and did the exorcism on their land actually ends up working with the Warrens a time or two. So that's interesting. But Ed and Lorraine, not was involved. Father Alphonse, right? Was that the guy Alphonse? Alphonse? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a really long time ago, Shelby. We've done so many episodes. Well, that's why since I, couldn't, then. I couldn't remember Hinsdale because of Hinter Kaifak. Like, I, I kept yeah. getting the other H oh, yeah. names stuck in my head, that's so it was true. more recent. So. That's true. But yeah, so they they were not involved with Hinsdale House, but they definitely wanted them to be. And I think that there are. I was rewatching The Conjuring with my two year old, which was probably a poor life choice. And I just kept getting struck by the similarities between that movie and that case, and then also the Hinsdale House. Like there are a lot of things that are the same that happened. I could see that. So, okay, so after all of these occurrences the warrens became super popular on the lecture circuit in colleges which again you see in the conjuring movies they are going to libraries town halls they appear on talk shows they have their own tv specials and they're often often interviewed by newspapers specifically like supermarket tabloids like the national Enquirer. they talk about them a lot but they actually have write-ups in the new york times too like it's not as low end is what you're thinking right they're not just a tabloid rag couple they're exactly. actually people they're actually legit. know who they are they're legit yeah well legit. well people during that time frame people consider them they're, legit. they're pop legit yeah i love pop legit i strive to be pop legit another few thousand listens will be there perfect <laughs> okay so they were frequently photographed standing behind or beside traumatized people recounting unbelievable horrible experiences with ghosts demons and possession like demons were their big thing it's never like it's very rarely a ghost of a person that's possessing people it's always a demon always yeah so we'll touch on that again because those are more interesting cases so oh, that's yeah. why it's always exactly yeah. i want to see their scrapbook of just like all these terrified people standing next to ed and lorraine warren as cool as cucumber <laughs> well listen shelby if you want to go to their museum in Connecticut, I think, they have a form that you can fill out on their website. You have to do, like, all sorts of, like, check this in case you get injured, blah, 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 you know, like a, a mm-hmm. release form. And then you can pay them via PayPal $169 to tour the museum. No. I feel like that's a little bit much. In what sense is this not a scam? But you can't have your picture taken with Annabelle. Mm. Uh, just so you know 
Mm. And four other artifacts of your choice. Pass. Yeah. Okay, so, to get back to this. In 1980, Gerald Brittle wrote The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren, and it was billed as a 100% factual biography of the Warrens. It's officially a, it was a nonfiction book. It's always been in the nonfiction section of libraries, whatever, under spirituality, which is a little iffy, I feel like, for nonfiction. But that's where it is. I bet Ed goes there at night and moves them. Probably. (laughs) Several of their most high-profile cases, the possessed doll known as Annabelle, the Amityville Horror, their investigation at West Point, they are all covered in what would become a New York Times bestseller. And it's been reprinted multiple times. And for more than 30 years, Brittle and the Warrens were steadfast that the demonologist was entirely nonfiction. Ed was quoted as saying, Diabolical forces are formidable. These forces are eternal, and they exist today. The fairy tale is true. It's actually on, like, the back of the book, just so you guys know. Good, so so I don't have to read this book to read that Exactly. (laughs) According to the Warrens, the demonic forces could attack at any time, and and people had to be aware and extremely careful not to invite these forces into their lives, lest they would suffer dire consequences. That's also on the back of the book that you're going to buy and, I guess, let these things into your life. So that's really interesting to me. Okay. So, like I was saying, the general public took them super seriously. They always had their detractors and skeptics, like you do. Look at the Ghostbusters. But they were struck... Wait, what? (laughs) So that's that's the direction you're going with that? You're just going to leave that hanging out there? Okay. I just, like, saw Shelby. Like, we just give each other looks, and I'm like, wait, she just is going to, like, leave that there. Shut this power cell down. Like, what? <laughs> no, nailed it. Go ahead. Okay. But then Ed died in 2006. Lorraine's still alive. Was it a what? heart attack? I don't remember. I know you had heart issues. Yeah, probably. Was he in the middle of working on his second book called Gotcha? Gotcha. <laughs> it was that nun from the second movie yes. that finally just got him. Yep. Okay, and so after he died, people started coming forward and being like, so this was kind of a lie. Sorry, guys. Multiple families stepped forward to claim that Ed had paid them to lie, and several investigations that the Warrens claimed had been, like, all them, that they'd done all these things, like, they weren't actually even there except for, like, a day or two. And that was just to kind of get the information and then peace out and let other people handle it. So... That's which Sounds I think we're going to talk about. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I said, guys, we're going to talk about a couple of pretty famous Warren cases over the next couple of weeks. So I hope you're really excited to hear about how horrible these people were. Well, I know I seem skeptical, but I mean, never meet your heroes. I'm very disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So one of the biggest claims a fan may have was actually the Amityville horror, which, as we all know, has been thoroughly debunked. According to the actual lawyer that hung out with the Lutz family hung out worked for the Lutz family I think is a more accurate probably description probably his name's William Weber and he said that in 1979 the events of the Amityville horror were completely fabricated by him author Jay Anson and the Lutz family over multiple bottles of wine as a mean to recoup the family losses in their unwise investment so yeah like the murders did happen but the entire haunting that we all know about they made up which is hmm. interesting because Butch Lutz actually did another documentary yeah. a little while back and was like, no, all true. Every bit of it. Which Lorraine was on. Yeah, she was. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. So I think that's super interesting that the lawyer's like, we just totally made this up. But like, Butch uh, is the youngest son, right? Yeah, Butch is the young. Well, yes, he was the youngest son, I that's think. That's what I thought. But he, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like a cash grab to me. Hmm. For whatever. It, it felt like maybe 
I, I want to believe that George Lutz was just in the other room banging on pots and pans just trying to freak his kid out or whatever, just to <laughs> yeah. make it really authentic. And now this kid actually believes it happened. Well, I don't really know. Think about when we talked about the Sodder kids a couple of weeks ago. Like, the youngest daughter has this idea of what happened in her family the night that her siblings yeah. disappeared. Like, and it's an amalgamation of everything that she's ever heard, read, or ever experienced. Over, over in... the course of 30 years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So maybe Butch is similar. I mean, you watch that Ryan Reynolds movie a couple of times, you're going to believe. <laughs> oh, is that the, are those those V things you were talking about earlier? Yes! Yeah! Oh, okay, this makes sense now. Okay, sorry. Circling back. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, we can post that on social media, though. Another famous case that the Warrens talked about that has kind of come up as being maybe not as true as what they were saying is called A Devil in Connecticut, or The Devil in Connecticut, which also was made into a movie. Which I was think? The Haunting in Connecticut? I think. Or A Haunting in Connecticut. Yes. I feel like Ed and Lorraine Warren were supposed to be, supposedly no. involved in that story. I don't think so. No. We talk about that one later. There's a lot of hauntings in Connecticut. If yeah. In well, Connecticut, that's where they're from. Check so. that shit out. Right. If you're in Connecticut, get out right now. Yeah. Right. It's not safe. This is a different one. And I don't think this has actually been made into a movie, which uh, it would be really difficult, I think, to probably do because it's spread out over a really long time frame. Um, but it is actually like the first instance of the devil be- made me do it being used as an actual defense in a court case. And the Warrens came in and testified for this guy. So to, to attest that there was a demon that there was a demon the time that he committed the crime. Exactly. So there was this guy named Arn Johnson and he murdered his landlord. What they were saying is that the demon that he had inside of him, he'd actually inherited from a little boy named David Gatzel. After David was given an exorcism arranged by the Warrens. Like, they were supposedly there during the actual exorcism. And David was said to have 43 different demons inside of him. And one of those got into this guy. That's too many demons to have inside of you. I know. He was a little boy, too. So, that's kind of sad. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, Carl Gatzel Jr., David's brother, he ended up, like... The family kind of removed them from the situation, and he claims to have never actually read the book or known anything about the exorcism. Like, he just knew that his little brother was mentally ill. And so when the book was republished, I think, in 2006, like, it, and with all the stuff that was going on with the Warrens, like, because they had another movie come out in 2009, and then The Conjuring in 2013, like, he said it actually affected his business and his brother's life. So Carl, David's brother, ended up suing the Warrens, on the grounds that his brother was mentally ill and not possessed and that he had actually needed help from doctors. According to Carl, the Warrens promised his family they'd become millionaires if they insisted the boy had been plagued by demons instead of a completely treatable mental disorder. So, that's shitty. Well, they don't get money if it's just a mental illness. Exactly. It has to be demons. And they also promised that Johnson, you know, the guy that actually killed him, killed Mm -hmm. the landlord, could beat the rap by using demonic possession as a defense and seemingly bulletproof tactic that somehow only succeeded in earning Johnson a prison sentence. Now, he did just go to jail for manslaughter, and I think he was in for eight years. But That's considerably better than... Oh, than like a full-on right? murder, because he like stabbed the shit out of this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay, well, that's... Yeah, that's way better than... Yeah, yeah. So... If you want to look into that, definitely do it. It's super interesting, but it's it's kind of convoluted, and there's a lot of different players, because there was a lot of people in the room when it actually, the stabbing occurred. Oh, well, that's a terrible way to get away with murder. Yeah. And then this armed guy ended up married to the wife, I think, of the landlord after he got out of jail. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. You can also look up David Gatzel or the devil in Connecticut, and all of that stuff comes up. So, 
it's interesting. And, of course, this was, like, right during the time frame of the Satanic Panic, so people right. were totes believing it. I, I also want to believe that whenever whenever Ed showed up, he was like, he doesn't need a doctor because I'm also an excellent artist, doctor, surgeon, and lawyer. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Brad Bradshaw reference for people outside of the Forsyth area. <laughs> because Ed's just good at fucking everything. Fucking apparently. everything. Well, and they also, they would bring in people with them that were, air quote, doctors. <laughs> or police officers or whatever, like whatever specialist was needed in the occasion, these people were there and could help them and back up whatever the Warrens were saying. I need them to be like, yes, it's a doctor's uniform, but they're like breakaway pants. They obviously just hired men, of, men of the evening <laughs> to come in. And... It's scrubs with like fake blood on them that are also tearaway pants. Yes. Perfect. Hey, I, like I, I have an update on that guy's name, by the way. What is his the name? Way I, okay, so I just heard Arn Cheyenne. But that's like a middle name or a second last name, but mm-hmm. Johnson is actually it's his last that name as well. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I was confused. Go Google. Go Google. So the other one I was going to talk about was uh, the Warrens involved in a book called In a Dark Place, which is the book that the 2009 film The Haunting in Connecticut yeah, was based the, on. It's the book I read. Was that the one that you yeah. read? Yeah, okay. that's the one I read not that long ago. So they actually contracted horror author ray garten to help which he's like a pretty well-known horror author which i did not realize so ray garten and he he's quoted as saying i was offered a job and because i used to read about ed and lorraine's exploits in the national Enquirer when i was a kid i took the job like he wouldn't normally have taken a position like that but whatever i went to connecticut i spent time with the warrens and the sindeckers sindeckers i don't know how to pronounce it to be honest and what I found out is that the family couldn't actually keep their story straight. He, in a couple of interviews that I've read, like, it actually, he talked to them a couple of years after it all happened. The son that was supposedly possessed wasn't even living at home, and he only was allowed to talk to him for, like, five minutes on the phone one time. The mom supposedly was running, like, an interstate counterfeit lottery scam (laughs) at the time and like her story would always change so it's kind of a hot mess right Mm -hmm. so after interviewing the family um he goes to ed and he's like listen this is fucking nuts like this isn't what am i supposed to do with all this information none of this is real this isn't lining up with anything that you guys had given me before and ed said all people who come to us are crazy and that's why they come to us just use what you can and make up the rest you write scary books right well, make it up and make it scary. That's why we hired you. What a shysty motherfucker. Yeah. Ugh. I want to hear more about this interstate lottery thing. <laughs> I do too, but I couldn't find So this, the this problem like is. The most, like trailer trashy shit I've ever heard before it, in my yeah, life. Yeah, which like the movie, they seem like pretty like uppity and fancy. They're not. I mean, in the book at least, which is, I mean, fiction. Yeah. But I mean, the reason why they moved into that house is because they had no money. Well, so I guess that they, the son supposedly had lymphoma. Yes. And they move into the house. And they're in the house for a while. And then the landlord is getting pissed because they hadn't paid rent for months. But anytime he pushes them for it, they're like, our son's sick. Like, we're here because our son's sick. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, it turns out, son, there's no proof son ever had lymphoma. I don't know if it was lymphoma. Was it leukemia? It was I don't know. So, some, some sort cancer. of like childhood cancer. Because yeah. he was in his early teens. Leprosy. Right. And possibly leprosy. <laughs> he was hanging out with armadillos. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> 
and um, I don't know if there's a lot of armadillos in um armadillos carry leprosy. No, in Connecticut. In Connecticut. Oh. Like, are there a lot of them? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. And so there's no record of him ever having lymphoma. And once the landlord's like, I'm going to fucking call the cops. I'm going to evict you guys. Then all the haunting started. And then all, like, the media came and mm. everything like that. So he couldn't kick out this family with, like, a sick kid. Ooh. Ooh. So it's very interesting. That's the case where they supposedly, the mom and got, the, this cousin got, like, raped Right. By and supposedly the that with more information, like, the dad was actually maybe yeah. a pedophile. Oh. Yeah. And the um i thought you were gonna say that he was like sodomized the dad yeah oh by no the, by the ghost i wasn't gonna go that route i was going pedophile oh, okay. also one of the things that ray garton talks about is that the mom and that cousin mentioned this movie where i guess in the movie the woman gets molested by a ghost and their accounts are super similar hmm. like they're taken from behind by the ghost blah 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 which is exactly what happens in this movie that they really like also, ghosts don't want sex. Like, what kind of ghost dick is there? I don't really understand. Are, are you looking for a list or what kind of <laughs> well, question are you asking? I just don't understand. Right like, there, like I feel like it's like a sexual need. Well, it's the story is that they live in a funeral home, like a right, and then and he the guy corpses. Yes, yeah. So that he's like a creepy fucking guy. But they're that not is dead. Constantly... So they're if molesting. If he has a thing back. for corpses, corpses, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I feel like they're banging, whatever. Okay. Maybe, anyway. maybe they're also like hanging out over the top of their body like, oh, well, there I go into the great beyond. Hey, hey, don't touch that. Oh, don't. you piece of shit. <laughs> I'm going to fuck any motherfucker that moves into this place. Yeah. Okay. That's my assumption. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a different take on that movie than you did, apparently. <laughs> so consistently, when you look back at like who wrote or helped the Warrens write the books about their cases, they generally only worked with horror writers. Um, they started relationships with people like the Brittle Dude. He wrote multiple of theirs. Ray Garten never wrote a book for them ever again and has really, like, pushed for his book to be called fiction because he doesn't believe that it's true. Hmm. So that's shitty. And a lot of people that they've worked with or, like, written with have said that everybody that, – that Lorraine was, like, a really positive person and they were pretty neutral about the way they felt about her. Like, she was just kind of passive in the background – um, they think that she's quiet and sincere, but pretty much everybody who's talked about Ed said that he was pretty much a thug. Like, he was just a pretty terrible fucking person. He was described as blustering, aggressive, and prone to threats of violence at a drop of a hat. And some people have said that he was violent towards Lorraine on more than one occasion in front of them. Hmm. So, not like the precious Ed Warren that we know from the Conjuring movies, who is like... A polyester clad white knight. He's super fucking precious. It's a good way to describe him in that movie. Though. He's so <laughs> he's so cute. Okay. Anyway, so despite all of this coming out, when after Ed passed away, Brittle and Lorraine have just stuck to their guns, and they say that all of the information presented in the Demonologist is true. They're real cases, and they happen to real people. And it should be stressed that there is no exaggeration or hyperbole in the presentation of the phenomena in this book. The reputation and the career of the Warrens was entirely legitimate, and they had never charged for their services, and that their primary goal was always to collect scientific information of the paranormal while helping desperate people. Okay, okay? So, so they were getting paid off of these books then, not for the their books, services. Yes. Like, out of their services, the only things that were paid for were their travel and, like, where they were staying. So suffice it to say they needed an income source. Right. Hmm. 
Also, their museum. $169. They take PayPal via yeah. the website. Do they? Okay. So then, in 2013, The Conjuring came out and people lost their shit over it. Like, it still has really high reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's one of the highest rated horror movies on Rotten Tomatoes to this day. Well, and it's a good movie. It's yeah. so I will, fucking I will never good. deny that. Yeah. Yeah. It's super, super good. And, like, the characters of that movie, like, Ed and Lorraine, are what you want like your main characters of a ghost movie mm-hmm. to be like they're so they're just great like i love them or what you wanted to believe that ed and lorraine were exactly were. exactly and honestly like like i said that movie is kind of my first experience with ed and lorraine warren like i've seen amityville but like in the amityville horror movies they're not in those no they're they? not in them at all so uh, actually uh maybe no I was thinking maybe one of the later ones they were in but god those movies are such garbage it's hard to keep them straight yeah, yeah. but not have the you, ryan reynolds seen, one have you seen the one with the aliens like no. it's like Amityville, Amityville four or something. I don't know. It's totally oh, bad. We should just record ourselves watching those and then make like a clip show a- anything, of us watching those movies. Anything after two was bad. I will say that. Really? I just recently watched the one with Bella Thorne and that a ginger guy from Shameless. Oh my! And it was stupid. It's oh. real dumb. Bella Thorne. It's not called like Amityville something. It's like Amityville, but then. She's the is in the title, oh, but something I'm... different on added to it. Okay, okay, I know, I know what you're talking about. Because I remember seeing a, a trailer for it. Yeah, going, wow, it's way to been run pretty that recent. Into the fucking ground. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, pretty much. Okay, so The Conjuring was a super success, and it led to the sequel in 2016, The Conjuring Two, and then the spinoffs, Annabelle and Annabelle Creation, which I haven't seen, but maybe I will, but probably not because they're not anything like the actual Annabelle story, and that annoys the fuck out of me. I don't watch creepy doll movies. Yeah, I just don't. So, and they're starting, like, this whole Ed and Lorraine series, basically. Like, they're having their own, like, phenomena. Right. Right? Basically, it's time to get paid again. Exactly. So, at this time, the Warrens, who had kind of faded out of the public eye to a certain extent, um, following Ed's death, were, like, the talk of Hollywood. And everybody was super excited, except Gerald Brittle, the guy that actually wrote The Demonologist. Mm Mm-hmm. So, supposedly, he had made a deal with the Warrens that had been broken with The Conjuring. In writing The Demonologist, Brittle was to have full rights to all of the Warrens' case files, and the couple was not allowed to make movie deals without his involvement. Um, Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema had gone over his head by making Contractor lit directly with Lorraine Warren, and Brittle wanted his cut. Okay. Hmm. But Warner Brothers said, listen, dude, like, you don't have a monopoly on true life events and people. We can write about... Anybody, we can make movies about anybody we want because they're true stories, right? Like, right. you base their whole career, you based your whole career on the fact that this is a nonfiction book and you do not own the rights to the characters of Ed and Lorraine Warren. God damn, I want him to come out about this now. If, if it really happened, like they have claimed for 30 plus years and made all this money on, it was fair game for anybody. And hadn't Brittle been the one that was like, hey, everything in this book's 100% factual. So what the fuck are you going to do? Now the franchise has earned Warner Brothers nearly $1 billion. Shit. And Brittle is backtracking faster than a possessed child. <laughs> is that a Linda Blair reference? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I like it. Okay. So he has pushed to completely reclassify the demonologist as a work of fiction. And as such, an intellectual property that the Warner Brothers films have entirely infringed upon. So he's come out and been like, yep, none of this is true. Everything I made up. None of this is true. Pay me now. Pay me now, please. Yeah. 
So I guess like the truth for some people really just depends on how much money is involved. That's deep, man. So I know. There you go. So that is the background of the Warrens up until current day. Um, Brittle is still fighting this. He's not exactly the most well-off man, unlike Warner Brothers, who has pretty deep pockets. Uh So I'm not sure how that whole court case is going to come out. Poorly. The Johnson did whatever. I think that they settled out of court, actually, and he got like $50,000 or something. Nothing like super crazy. But again, it was that like the re-release of that book affected his business. Right. Mm. Which I could see. I mean. Yeah. So it's not like he was pushing for anything exorbitant. It was just cover my ass, yo. So as I mentioned before, we're using this as kind of a jumping off point. We're all going to be covering some of our favorite cases by the Warrens over the next couple of weeks. And we hope you guys get excited about it, too, despite the fact that they, as Shelby called them, were, what was that? Shiesty fuckers? Shiesty motherfuckers, yes. (laughs) All right. Well, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that we talked about tonight, of course, hit us up on the social medias. Uh, We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And you can always email us at queencitycreeps at gmail.com. And we'll hopefully hear from you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.